episode what of Welcome Back to Not My Type. This is episode three. Jack, why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about today? So today we are moving deeper. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm presuming you know something about the Enneagram. And we covered the basics last time. Um, but we're moving into a more nuanced discussion about the types. Mm-hmm. And so today we're talking about stances. So, Malia, what are stances? Tell me. Yeah, stances are inherently time-bound. They're how almost we relate to reality. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, exactly. So basically, every type falls into one of the three stances. And those three stances are withdrawn, dependent, and aggressive. Hmm. And um, each of those stances is repressing one of the three centers that we talked about before. So as you remember, the three centers we talked about were body, heart, and head. And so when one of those centers is repressed, the other two are not. So basically, it's like every single type is functioning a lot in decision making with two of the centers and neglecting one of the other ones. And so the idea of how we relate to reality and you're repressing one of the centers which is causing you to live out reality. What does that mean to relate to reality in a stance? Basically, it's just saying the stance illustrates the reality we see because of the reality we're not seeing. So the stances are, are not so much about right. what, the, what the reality is. It's more about what the reality isn't, that it should be. Yeah, and that's really important. So why don't we get into what are the stances? So like, how are they br- broken down? What, what are they? Yeah, so um, I'll start with withdrawn, mm-hmm. the withdrawn stance. So those types are four, five, and nine. So you'll notice that there's one from each of the centers. Mm-hmm. Four is a heart type, five is a head type, and nine is a body type. But all three of those types repress the body. So essentially what the, what the withdrawn stance means is that these three types repressing the body, which represents action or anger. It's the mm. drive that moves us into the world to do things. So basically what it means is that these types repressing the body are not taking action where they should. Uh-huh. So they're, they're doing a whole lot of head and heart stuff. And so we talked about how the head represents our own agendas, our plans, our goals, our, our dreams, our visions, uh, and what makes sense to us, that like our own schemas of the world. That's what the head represents, and the heart represents our sense of obligation. It mm. represents our emotional pull to, to do uh, as we should, in right. a sense. And so the four and the five, along with the nine, are using the head and the heart to assess those things constantly. But they're not doing, they're not doing it in time. Right, that's so interesting. And because the body's repressed, they end up doing less than they should. So there's a whole lot of like internal world going on for mm-hmm. all three of them. Um, but they don't necessarily externalize it the way they would like to. Right. The four is seeing an ideal, but they're not going after it. The five is seeing a world that wants to take from them, so they hoard away. And the nine is, well, how would you explain the nine in that context? So because that's a, that's a great question. So uh, Malia is kind of pointing to this idea that the nine is both dominant and repressed in the body. And what does mm. that look like? Well, what it means is that essentially the nine is concerned constantly with what should be done because the, right. like the body types, remember, ask the question, what do I need to do? Um, but the nine being repressed in the body is uh-huh. not considering that they could be the one to do it. So there's, there's this great concern with doing and the instinct toward doing, um, but they don't see themselves as a factor in, in the doing itself. Which is so, that's so interesting and almost confusing because the nine is like, how are you repressing what you're the center of? Like, how are you dominant and repressing the same thing? Like, it doesn't make sense, but it's so real. It doesn't make sense. And we'll get more into that later in, a di- in the next episode, actually. Mm, We're going to talk right. more about Very some exciting. things there. But, um, I have a clarifying question, actually, about the, about the nine. Um, well, actually, with all of them, the idea, the way that we think about the word withdrawn, I think, can be harmful to this because we think of withdrawn as almost like 
we think of introverted or we think of you know not taking action like or antisocial antisocial yeah. yeah so what is the difference between that kind of withdrawn and what you're talking about here so obviously there are some trends i i think of all the types these three types are probably most prone toward introversion mm. but that doesn't mean that they're the only introverts you can right. see dependent and aggressive types that are also introverted because introverted is just essentially directing one's energy inward. I think we hear a lot about this idea of like, oh, I recharge alone. And, and uh -huh. yeah, that, that's a topic of introversion. But in Carl Jung's original theory of introversion and extroversion, introversion was just um, when more energy is directed inward than outward. Mm. So, so you do see a theme of introversion with the withdrawn stance, but there are plenty of extroverts who could be a four or a five or a nine. The withdrawn stance just means that they are under engaging with reality. That's what's going on, is that the body, which externalizes action, is not being used as much as it should. And so what that looks like is an orientation to time that is that is toward the past. Mm. And this is really crucial, is, is that the past is where the, these three types, four, five, and nine, are essentially living in their mind. That's where they're comfortable, and that's where they think reality actually is. Yeah, that idea of comfortability, I think, is the most key to this, because often when I you know, as I was first learning this, I used to think about the withdrawn as in, oh, they're always thinking about the past or they're always, you know, consumed with something that had happened. But it's not necessarily a mind thing. It's not necessarily I'm like thinking about what happened to me or whatever. It's it's it, what it means is that in the present moment, they're processing right. past information. Mm -hmm. So you'll notice I like to picture a timeline when I think about the stances. So um, the withdrawn types are past oriented. The dependent types are present oriented and the aggressive right. types are future oriented. And so what that means is in the present moment, the withdrawn types perceiving reality in the past are still processing things that happened the day before that or three mm. days before that or whatever mm -hmm. or an hour ago. So where the other six types, meaning the dependent and aggressive types together, are, are overdoing because neither of them repress the body, the withdrawn types are not doing as much as they should. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to engage with the world as quickly as everyone else is to some degree. There's a, there's a limitation of doing. Right. Um, and so that often looks like a sense of inward focus, but it doesn't mean, like we talked about, it doesn't mean they're necessarily introverted. It just means that they're processing reality late. Mm -hmm. Right, and which could cause introversion. Like, oh my goodness, so much just happened. I need to go take time by myself to process that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. And I think it's important to realize too, like notice the, the difference between the types themselves. Like four, five, and nine all have this similarity of being withdrawn. Uh, but they, they do that in very different ways. Like, you can get mm. a four that's very expressive emotionally. Right. But that doesn't mean they're not a withdrawn type. They're still inherently withdrawn. And you can get a five even who's somewhat extroverted or somewhat conversational. That doesn't mean that they're not withdrawn. What's going on is that they're withdrawing for different purposes. Mm -hmm. So We were just talking about a five that is very charismatic and even popular and well-liked. Yeah, true. But, you know, what... How are they hiding from reality? How are they still living in the past? They or how almost, are they late to it? Yeah. How are they late to reality? And I think it's important to realize, remember how we talked about like the four has a sense of separation from the world? The five has that similar separation. For the four, it's an identity thing because remember, they're a heart type. Right. So the separation is, is where they find their sense of self and that, that gives them some sense of validation, which is why you get this sense of, oh, I'm, I'm elite, I'm unique, I'm different. Um, mm. Because that's their withdrawnness is actually what's v verifying the identity they think they have. Right. For the five, however, their separateness is just practical because they're a head type dealing with fear and longing for security. So their their choice to withdraw is just the way that they stay secure. Right. But for the nine, who's a body type dealing with anger, they're withdrawn because that's the way they avoid their anger because they're mm. denying their anger. 
Right. So notice that nines, though, however, are not separated from the world the way that, that fours and fives are. They're still withdrawn and they're still late. But since they're so dissolved and sort of like, you know, how we talked about them being like overly moderate and, and being the compilation right, of all right. the other types. They're merging with reality too mm -hmm. much. And that's actually where they're withdrawing because they're so merged with every aspect of reality. There's no one spot where they have to stand out. And so they uh -huh. can exist in, exist in a hidden sense by being completely streamlined with all of the, the current. You get what I'm saying? Right. Would, would you almost say that they are acting with their body in a way that they can repress their control over their body in a way? Do you know what I'm saying by that? No, talk about it. Like, I almost think of some of the nines I know, and they are super active, super engaged, super, um, mer you know, that word merging, but they often forget themselves. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that they're still body dominant. So there's a lot of doing exactly. going on, but it's not productive doing. Right. There's this concern of, oh, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? But because they don't know how to assess it clearly because the body is repressed right. and they're too preoccupied with the head and the heart, the doing often ends up being like little tasks or little stupid things that the nine mm. doesn't actually need to do, but that is feeding the neurosis. Mm -hmm. That the doings that they are doing, it might be like things that aren't actually the most important, that's the way they're distracting themselves from their true identity and the way they stay completely blinded to themselves. Because remember, the internalized lie for the nine is I don't matter. So if right. I busy myself with all these things, then I don't have to acknowledge the fact that I feel invisible. Oh, wow. And that, that is so intense. Okay, I, we could keep going on this. I have some more things to bring up later, but let's go on to the dependent stance. Okay, great. So the dependent stance is comprised of ones, twos, and sixes. Mm -hmm. And just like before, there's one body type, the one, there's one heart type, the two, and there's one head type, the six. Um, and these three types are united in the present. That's the where they're perceiving reality. And that stance is created by a repression of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so what this means, you, you, you might mention this to ones, twos, or sixes, and you'll be like, trying to explain the way the dependent stance works and say, oh, thinking is repressed. And they're like, what are you talking about? I think all the time. Right. And just like before, like we were talking about with a nine a moment ago, it doesn't mean that they don't think. It just means their thinking is unproductive. Mm. So this, there are cyclical thought processes that aren't actually toward one's goals. Because remember, the mind is the space where we ideally can assess our own plans, our own agendas, our own goals, our wants. Um, but these three types repress this center, meaning that they're acting with their body out of a sense of obligation from the heart. Right. But they, they shove away and have lost touch with their mind, which says, mm -hmm. here's, here's where I'm going. Here's my plan. Here's my thought about it. And so with all three of these types, because it's this sense of duty from the heart, this is what I feel I have to do, and the body taking action, you get these three types that are doing a lot of things based on the duties demanded from the external world. So similar to what we were talking about with the withdrawn stance, we often apply meanings to words that when you start to talk about the Enneagram, they're completely different meanings. Exactly, you know? there's language. So yeah. let's talk about what dependent means in this sense. What are these types depending on? Yeah, so I think a lot of times that, that word can seem kind of desperate or like, I'm right. dependent, I can't. And honestly, sometimes it sometimes is. Sometimes <laughs> you see that in the dependent stance. But what that really means is that, like we just talked about, they are depending on the external world mm -hmm. to give them a chart, to give them a, a set of shoulds, a set of duties and a set of obligations. Mm -hmm. So for ones, so morally conscious, so concerned about doing, because they are a body type still, Right. their doing is being done with the heart and without the mind. Um, and a lot of ones actually will scoff at that because a lot of times they're fact-oriented and they're very concerned about what makes sense ethically and what seems to be the objective truth. Um, but they're actually dependent on what they think is an external moral code. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So there's this sense of, oh, this is the higher law that I'm obeying, and right. therefore I must do it. So even if a one doesn't want to do something, or feels like, ah, oh, this isn't actually best for me, but they're under the impression that there is a should externally that contradicts the mind, the mind loses, their own plans lose, and they instead do what they believe is right. So mm. this dependent stance for the one looks like a, a dependence on the duties and shoulds given by this moral code that they think is, is true and objective. Honestly, what you just said kind of sounds similar to how you describe the six, which is needing someone else to kind of uh, provide these plans and agendas, except for you would maybe say that the one um, is more confident. Yeah, the one isn't necessarily waiting to be fed plans and agendas. Right. Because the mind isn't actually their concern. Mm-hmm. But the mind is the concern for the six because they're the center of the head types. That's, that's the thing, is that the six is also repressing the head, but being head dominant, they're very concerned about actually getting those plans and getting right. those, those agendas and those wants figured out, but they don't feel like they can self-assess that. And that's the theme here for these three types, ones, twos, and sixes, all struggle to self-assess because right. they've shoved away the mind and have busied themselves with all the shoulds in their lives. So like we were talking about with ones, there's this sense of moral should. I should be doing this, so this is where I'm going because this is the right thing for me to do. For twos, they're dependent on the needs of others. Mm-hmm. because that gives them a sense of identity because they're a hard type. So by caring for the needs of others, they're finding this identity and clinging to it, but not actually considering what do I want because that feels selfish and that compromises this pattern of giving, 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 giving myself to the world. Um, and for sixes, the duties are given by those, those systems, those people, those structures that they have given their loyalty to, that they have skeptically, carefully chosen to trust. Because their, mm. their trust is hard won, but once it's won, it's given so wholeheartedly. That's, that's the thing, because the six doesn't trust their own mind. Because the centralized yeah. lie is, I'm not capable, I'm incapable. So I have to depend on the things that I've chosen to, to trust. And, but the problem is, they choose to trust different things in life, different sources that might contradict each other. Mm. So when they're contradicting each other, and the six isn't allowed to think for themselves, that makes the strife thing so big in sixes. Because different external sources are making different demands. And sometimes they feel like they should do different things to stay attached to these sources that they've chosen to trust. Right, because the question is maybe not simply, is this source correct? Or like, is what I'm gathering from the source correct? But is this source trustworthy? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. That's totally true. And I think that's the theme for all three of them is that they really are trying to figure out how to operate without the mind. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's not there. So what do I do instead? Well, I do a whole lot of things based on my feeling of obligation. Mm-hmm. And remember, like that sense obligation, of feeling yeah. is different for all three of them because they are fr- they're dominant in different centers. Yeah. So the right. one won't feel like it's a feeling because to them it feels very factual and true. I have this intuitive sense of what's right and wrong based on the facts that I've studied and observed. Um, but it is they are still dependent on that instinctual urge because remember the one being body dominant is primarily concerned with quote, what am I to do? What do I need to do? And so they feel these instincts that say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And they respond immediately to those without question because that is what they're dependent on, Mm -hmm. those instincts of moral law. Right. So let's go on to the third one. Let's go on to the next stance. So the aggressive stance is comprised of threes, sevens, and eights. And they all repress the heart. Mm -hmm. This stance is facing the future in a sense. And remember, like we were talking about, there's this degree of comfort with the time orientation they exist in. So for the withdrawn types, they're comfortable 
in the past because they're processing things late. Mm. And the dependent types are comfortable with the present because that's where duty lies and they're used to that. They're good with duty. Right. And so they're processing duties presently. But for the aggressive types being in the future, you can't actually process something that hasn't occurred yet. So there's this constant sense of anticipation for the, for the aggressive types. Mm -hmm. And that's not like a worried anticipation. It's this sense of um, like they're already there. Like they're already three days ahead. Right. Where, where the withdrawn types are three days behind, the aggressive types are three days ahead. And that's why these three types, threes, sevens, and eights, have the most motivation and most drive and most energy because mm. they're essentially crafting the timeline for all the other six types to follow. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you clarify when you use the word energy? You're saying they have the most energy. What do you mean by that? Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I guess there's this sense of fervor and and their doing seems most obvious and most confident with them. Right. And remember, that's because they're not repressing the head. They're repressing the heart. So where the dependent stances mm. are doing a whole lot based on what they feel in their heart they have to do, the aggressive types are doing in their body based on what makes sense to them in their head, based on their mm -hmm. own plans, agendas, and wants, and goals. So you get this sense with threes, sevens, and eights that they all actually know where they're going and what they want to do, and that's why they move so quickly, because there are no external sources hampering them from doing it. Right. Because what they've actually repressed is the heart, the part that says, what am I, what do I owe? What, what do I relationally owe? What yeah. do I emotionally owe? I don't owe anything, because they've repressed the heart. So there's a whole lot of doing based on my own mind and so that makes them confident and it gives them a quickness. And mm -hmm. that's why they're ahead of everyone else. Because the other six types don't repress the heart and are operating on some sense of obligation. And if I think about that, I think that, that piece about what do I owe, like not, not having that innately, that is a big part of the aggressive types because I, I feel like they are the types that know what they want yeah. most clearly and they're willing and able and are already going after it before anyone else exactly. realizes. Exactly. And I think that makes them go-getters that like other people envy in a sense right. or other people wish, oh, I wish I could be that productive or I wish I could be that motivated. Um, but it also is a vice because to some degree they are moving past other people without mm. considering the emotional realities that should go into decision making. Right. Because ideally, if we were humans who weren't flawed, we could make decisions based on what we feel we should do, based on what we want to do, and do it quickly with our bodies. You know, all three of those centers should be in balance, but because we have our own problems and neuroses develop and lies develop, um, there's always one that's lacking. So for the aggressive types, that's just the heart, and they move past it. And it's very interesting to see the way that applies to each of those three types, just like with the nine, who represses the body. The three is both dominant and repressed in the same center. Mm. So they're dominant in the heart and very concerned about what they feel, but they're removing themselves from it because the heart is also repressed. Right. So the concern is, what do other people feel about me? Mm -hmm. And so there's an emotional landscape they're creating because there's still a heart type, mm -hmm. but they're not making decisions with that, with that heart that they were given because they've shoved it away. So they're very concerned about the feelings of the world, the feeling environment, but they're not making decisions there. And that's why they're very motivated to do things based on what makes sense to them and yet are also very aware of the emotional impact they have on other people, which is why threes can be so charming, so likable, so adaptable. Mm. Because they're, they're connected to the heart. Exactly. Right. They're dominant in the heart. Their focus is, oh, what is being felt in the environment? They're very aware of the emotional realities in the environment, but that's not affecting their own decision-making. And that's mm -hmm. the thing about stances, is that that's where we make decisions, is based on which center is repressed. Um, and which reality we feel we're connected to. Yeah. Because it makes sense that if you're an aggressive type and you are kind of going after what you want, and that is your focus, you're already past all of the people who you might have potentially hurt 
by trying to get there. And I think to those types, it doesn't feel personal. You know, to three sevens and eights, because they repress the heart, they're also harder to wound. Mm. Because the heart is so far from them, it's rare that they necessarily feel that pain of like, oh, I've, I've been hurt. So that makes it easier for them to hurt others and presume that others mm. also shouldn't be hurt. See mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So right. I think a lot of, like a gift of these types is that they don't actually take things personally. So they can kind of keep moving on their own merry way without being very wounded or hampered by the things that get <laughs> right. in the way. But it also makes them quick to be the offenders without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Because in their head, well, I mean, we all presume that other people see the world the way we do. Everyone does that. Yeah. It's just for the aggressive types that looks like this assumption of, oh, I didn't mean it personally, so you shouldn't take it personally. Now, you use the word obligation for the mm-hmm. dependent stances. Yeah. If you were to give a word for the other stances, what would you give? I would say for the aggressive types, I think there's a sense of power. Mm-hmm. That three, sevens, and eights all want power for different reasons. And not necessarily always in a negligent way, even though it seems like that. Like you said, it's not intentional. It doesn't mean it's never intentional, but most of the time it just seems reasonable that they should vie for right. power. Like Because everyone should be doing that in their mm-hmm. minds, you know? And the three wants power because of the emotional prowess it gives them, the, the, valid, the identity validation, because they're still a hard type. The power that they achieve is what will give them recognition and status. Mm-hmm. For the seven, they want power because of the freedom it offers them. So they're making a lot of decisions with their head. This is what I want. This is what I'm going after. This makes sense to me and their body. But they actually don't consider the emotional realities. And I was just talking with a friend today who's a seven. And long ago, like two years ago, we had a conversation where she was actually blown away by the idea of repressing her heart. And I think that's true for a lot of sevens, that they have this mm-hmm. sense of like, oh no, I follow my heart I, all the time because sevens are quick and impulsive to like follow the whims of things typically. Right. Um, but they don't realize that what they're actually doing is following their wants in their head, mm-hmm. their plans in their head, that they, they're constantly creating plans and just going after it without considering, oh, who might I be running over? And then obviously this isn't universal. We're describing neurosis. So there are some people who might be sevens who might be able to kind of raise up that heart and, and take awareness of such things. Right. But actually, I mean, maybe this is my own sensitivity, but some of like the most frustrating experiences I've had have been with sevens who aren't trying to personally wound me, but are just moving too fast. They brush past yeah. you. They, it feels like they don't care and they're not, you know, Yeah, and that's present. not universal, but that's, right. that's a trend because right. for them it's not personal. It's just sort of like, oh, I was chasing my dreams and was presuming you were doing the same. Uh-huh. Because we all kind of make assumptions of how other people process reality and they we assume that they're processing it at the same pace that we're processing it like you felt that wound more maybe than an eight or another mm-hmm. seven because you are like i'm present here i have an obligation to you and that person is like i don't have an obligation to you that's so true actually i think the dependent stance is probably the most sensitive types mm. and that doesn't mean that obviously again that's not universal but that repressing the mind means they're not allowed to think for themselves so when they're using the heart and the body all the time to make these decisions, it feels like I did the right thing to mm-hmm. them. I did the right thing and you did the selfish thing sometimes. I think that's yeah, often what dependent yeah, yeah. and aggressive types relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Because the dependent types, even though there's a degree of insecurity because they've all repressed their mind and can't think for themselves, mm-hmm. they also all carry this sense of I did what was right. I, mm. I was doing the objectively correct thing because it, it was told to me. I was given a duty and I, I chose to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this sense of like, superiority almost that might come from them because I did the right thing. Um, But the aggressive types might have their own sense of superiority because, oh, well, no one told you you had to do that. You know, I wasn't asking you to do these things or no one actually asked you to be obligated to these things. Right. But for them, that's, yeah, there's this sense of power drive 
that makes it hard for them to see the other two time stances. You know, we all mm. struggle to see the other two stances in some way. And here's the thing, like to the aggressive types, living in the future feels like the present. So they don't realize right. they're three steps ahead of everyone else. To each of these three type, three stances, it feels like they're living in the present, you know, because we all actually physically live in the prison. We're forced to do that. Right. But the processing, we don't realize are at different speeds. And so to a four mm. or five or a nine who are processing late, they might not realize that everyone else is processing a lot faster than them. You know, yeah. that, that the dependent types are processing what's actually happening right now, not what was happening yesterday. Which can, can be really like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it can really affect the withdrawn types who are saying, you know, I'm still processing yesterday and you want me to talk about tomorrow. Like, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not ready. And it's actually really interesting because I think some of the greatest disparities in relationship I've seen are created by stance issues. Mm. Um, because withdrawn types, sometimes, especially nines I've seen in my life, nines are drawn to aggressive types who mm. kind of, who can give a lot of energy that they can just merge with. See what I'm saying? Right. So there are a lot of nines I know who are quite withdrawn and are processing reality late and there they're, might be in romantic relationship or in deep friendship with aggressive types who aren't just three steps ahead of them, they're six steps ahead of them. See mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And that's really kind of difficult sometimes. But like we were saying about power for the aggressive types, they don't necessarily realize they're vying for power. But for the three, it's for attention. For the seven, it's for freedom. And for the eight, they're vying for power because it gives them protection from betrayal because that's their primary concern, this idea of I'm going to be betrayed. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have a mind-blowing question slash revelation that I thought of that okay. I that I think connects really well to last episode. I was thinking about the stances and how they're so important because they're kind of the core of a lot of times of these types mm -hmm. and how they individually relate to the vices that we talked about last episode. Mm. I mean, it's kind of wild to think about the withdrawn types, nine, four, and five, all suffer from vices that are kind of inward and mm. uh, like angry at the world. Sloth, envy. And, and avarice. And avarice, greed. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? And then if you look at the dependent stances, I mean, one, two, and six, they're kind of dependent on the world. Like all of their vices relate to external That's things. That's true. Wrath, pride. And unbelief, and unbelief of others. What are you unbelieving of? Yeah. And then if you true. think about Other the aggressive, seven, eight, and three, it's gluttony, lust, and vanity, all reflective of this power, lust of others, gluttony, gaining power over these things that I can consume. Mm, Isn't that yeah. so interesting? I think you have it dead on. It seems like it really does relate. I've never thought about that specifically for the vices, but I think that's true, is that because that like four, five, and nine are inherently withdrawn, when we're thinking about the Enneagram, you know, like we have other connotations for the words envy and greed mm -hmm. and sloth, but when we're thinking about the Enneagram, we need to consider that those are inherently inward um, and underactive vices, right. that those neuroses are inherently passive in some some way. And you see fours especially who are yearning after something and they're not actually going for it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're waiting for it to come to them because they fear disappointment. And you see fives who aren't really engaging with the world because that makes them feel protected and secure um, and safe. Like they're not gonna be um, right. at risk of danger. And you see nines who are just kind of chilling out. And I think people love nines and, and are comfortable mm -hmm. with them, but they don't realize that nines are actually late to the party all the time but they're physically present a lot of times right? because they're merging with reality, but not really engaging with it. They're just there and, and floating. And a lot of times like you see nines just like up in their little cloud of mind. Mm -hmm. and, and there's this trend for the withdrawn types that's very imaginative because it is inward. Fours, fives and nines all have this sense of like a rich inner world 
as a sanctum or, or hidden place for mm -hmm. them. I also wanted to talk about a really interesting trend I noticed just this week when I was thinking about the stances preparing for this episode. Um, and I've noticed a lot of dependent types, ones, twos, and sixes, who are present-oriented and very concerned with the duties in the present are kind of warriors of some sense. There's this, mm. there's this concern about what might happen, um, and therefore they think they're future-oriented because they're, they're constantly concerned about the future and thinking about the future. Right. And I think what I realized is that these actual stances and the places in time in which we exist are just the areas with which we feel comfort. Mm -hmm. and, and so... Like you said earlier, it's more about what you repress or don't exactly. feel comfortable with. Exactly. And so the dependent types, for example, repressing their mind don't have their own clear sense of wants or agendas. So the future, thinking about the future and where am I actually going with my life, what mm -hmm. do I actually want to do next, is uncomfortable. So a lot of times they're very concerned and worried about that, especially with sixes who are the center of the fear types. Right. You see this constant worry, but also with ones and twos you see it to some degree. With twos you see a relational worry. Yeah. With ones you see a, a, a righteous worry. Have I done the right thing? Mm -hmm. Am I making the right choices? And even that's, like, that's confusing to think, well, you know, I think about the future a lot. I worry about the future a lot. That doesn't, doesn't mean that you're future-oriented. Yeah, and, and that's important to realize is that in Enneagram context, the future-oriented types are comfortable with the future. Right. And the, and the present-oriented types are comfortable mm. with the present. You know, that's the thing is that, like, ones, twos, and sixes, actually, you don't hear them telling everyone, like, live in the present all the time because that's where they exist. The, the duties of the present feel very real to them. And I think that's important to realize is that this is the, the present for the Enneagram language that we're using is about neurotic cycles that are duty bound. Because uh -huh. the duties that show up are constantly changing. You see what I'm saying? Like for a two, the needs of others are, are the demands that they are responding to and the duties that they're given. But different people need different things at different times of their life. Mm -hmm. So the two is sort of following alongside and waiting for things to change and just responding to each given moment. Right. In the same sense, like for sixes, like you might be committed to this institution that feels safe. Um, but if it doesn't feel safe later on, you might want to detach and pick something else. You know, like mm. sixes, sixes want security, but the demands change with those things that they've given themselves to, you know. Right. I mean, I can see that in as a two, I can see that a lot. Like, you know, you get several different texts throughout the day and suddenly I'm putting down the person I was just about to text to pick up the next person. And then someone else texts me and I pick up the next, you know, it's like whatever is in the present that I feel obligated towards, I'm now present with that. It's now the priority. It's now the priority. But then that priority constantly changes. And that is actually, if we think about it, that's the way that these dependent types are trying to compensate for the lack of there being a mind. You know, yeah. By shoving the mind away, they're letting the world outside of them think for them and mm -hmm. make their plans for them. Make their plans for them is even more accurate, I think, like with the six. You know, what should I do? It's often an advice kind of thing sometimes. Mm -hmm, because they want like, support. Yeah, what, what, what do I do about this situation? And then they get advice from all these different people. And their priority changes on how they're going to take advice due to whoever they're currently talking to. And I think that's really crucial to realize is that they think they're making plans all the time. Sixes yeah. are very concerned about plans because they're, they're wanting to cover every possible failure that could occur. And so they're preparing for the worst but they don't realize that they're actually letting the plans be made by external sources that mm -hmm. they've committed to and chosen to trust. And in the same sense, ones think they're planners all the time, and they might actually be planners, but the plans are actually constructed outside of them, right? and they're just obeying them. And that's the theme, is that these dependent types are earning what they want because mm -hmm. they can't actually ask for what they want or 
to some degree because they don't know it. They don't have access to it because the mind is where these agendas and plans and wants lie. And that's inaccessible. Right. So they have to earn it. That is a really big aspect of the earning part or um, this idea that I can't, I can't validate my own plan, but I need someone outside of myself to make what I hope an obligation. So hmm. does that make sense? Like you're saying, oh, I really want this. But instead of these types, instead of saying, oh, this is what I want, they kind of skirt around and they're like, this is what I want you to tell me I need to do. And yeah. that's what I feel comfortable because with. Because it's easier. Because there's yeah. some degree of separation from the mind. So even if there are true wants, and everyone has real wants, and everyone has real needs, and everyone has real goals. Everyone has their own goals. Right. But because these three types are out of touch with their own goals, it's easier for them to if let someone the, else tells them. Yeah, to let the goals of the world. Not even, like they might think that it's like, oh, these are my own goals. Right. But they're ju actually just instead busying themselves with goals of other people, other institutions, other ideas. And I think that's, again, remember like how that's so different for each one of those three types. Mm -hmm. Because for sixes, those are practical goals for the systems that they have chosen to trust. But for twos, those are the goals of other people. A lot of times they're all willing to help and throw themselves in to be on board with other people's goals because they want identity validation and attention because they're a hard type. And for ones, they might feel like they're making their own plans and goals, but the goals are actually for some sort of external betterment. You know, mm. this is the right thing to do, and this is making the world better. This is making my community better. This is making my life, my relationships, myself better. So they're committed to some external standard. All three of these types are earning their way to whatever external standard is demanding of them. Mm -hmm. And and likewise, you see this trend with with this earning mindset, a moving toward the other world. They have to move toward the world, so that it can give them the mind right. that they've they've kind of lost touch with. You know, and then you pull back to talk about the withdrawn stance. Yeah, and they're moving away. Right. They're moving away to get what they want because they don't necessarily know how to engage because the body's repressed. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to do effectively because the body's repressed. And so they're moving away is the way that they actually get what they want. And the aggressive, <laughs> the aggressive type is like sprinting. And the, I think the word there is demand, that, that mm. they are demanding what they want. Mm -hmm. Because for the three, it's like, look at my resume. I've already proven that I'm capable. This is why you should admire me. This is why you should praise me. Because look, I've already done all these things really well and I've succeeded. Because they believe they've already earned it. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. not like I'm presently earning. It's I have earned it. In the same sense for the eight, it's like I've worked harder and I'm safe. I I'm safe from betrayal. And you can't get me because I'm demanding that you don't hurt me. And that's why the eight is constantly lusting for power and control of situations. Mm -hmm. Because that's their way of demanding their own relational protection wow. from betrayal. And, and for the seven, they're demanding their right to freedom. It's I'm going to keep moving so fast through the world that you can't trap me and limit my choices and limit my potential to be contented because the seven mm -hmm. wants contentment but is never really finding it. And you were going to talk about the withdrawn stance and I totally cut you off with the aggression, but with the withdrawn stance moving away in order to get something. What does that look like for each one? Well, I'm not a withdrawn type, so I don't know what that's like intimately or personally. Right. But for the nine who wants peace, you know, like when the world is, is disrupted, or things are uncomfortable, it's easier for them to move away internally mm. into this internal space and not engage with it and let the world figure its own problems out. You know, right. And I think a lot of times you hear this like nickname of the peacemaker for mm -hmm. the nine, but it's really not like that. You know, A nine in neurosis isn't gonna be helping make peace. They'll just attach when everything's getting uncomfortable mm. and move to an inward space and stay merged externally, but internally that's where they really are. And for the four, they're moving inward because that is their way of getting attention. They're moving away right. from the world 
to show their own separation and their own uniqueness because then that's other people will pay them that attention mm -hmm. that they're wanting. And for the five, they're moving away from the world because that's the way they stay protected from danger. That's the safest place to be. Something else I wanted to address is that this theory of stances actually is rooted in Karen Horney's psychological theory of different types of children. Um, and mm. she studied the way that children respond to parents and that there were three different styles. And so there, were, there was the withdrawal style, which obviously correlates to the withdrawn stance. There's the compliance style, which correlates to the dependent, and then the aggressive style, which is obviously the aggressive stance. Um, but she was just kind of pointing out that there are three different broad strokes of children, that there are difficult children who are really motivated and have a lot of energy mm. and are kind of moving against the world. And that's a theme that you see with the aggressive stance, is that they're moving against the world, and that's how they get what they want. Or you see the compliance trend, which is the dependent stance, and that they're obeying, that they're obeying to get what they want. Moving with the world, maybe? Yeah, essentially. They're, they're moving with the world. And then for withdrawal, that they move away mm -hmm. to get what they want. It's just interesting that this theory wasn't even originally about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. But these trends of neurosis are totally comparable to all these different trends of neurosis that people have studied outside of the Enneagram. It just is really connected. It's interesting. And the reason why we put stances near the beginning of our episodes is because it's just a really good foundation for understanding the Enneagram at In all. the way it relates to people, honestly. Yeah, honestly. And I mean, like we said, the whole, you know, how withdrawn stances relate to aggressive stances. Withdrawn being kind of three steps behind, aggressive being six steps ahead. And that can be really helpful when, you know, relating to others. You know, where yeah. is their mind? Yeah, where exactly. are they in reality? And even people who don't know the Enneagram, this is helpful for us to realize and learn, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I like when I'm understanding people's types, you know, like you hear in any room conversation all the time, like don't type other people. It's super dangerous. And I think it's fair. Like that can be a nasty thing to do. Like if you're telling people, hey, here are all the problems in your life, whatever. Right. Like, like you don't want to do that without invitation. But I think it's still helpful to understand how these trends exist in other people. Well, like, I think honestly, that's kind of how people understand their types, because like we said before, a lot of the neuroses are things that we don't even see in ourselves. And it's almost important that we have people around us that can call out things in our lives and say like hey did you ever notice that you totally withdraw when this happens or whatever and like that's not something we would notice about ourselves so you know as long as you're not doing it maliciously I don't think it's inherently wrong to you know understand other people's types exactly and I think a lot of people are learning the Enneagram and are interested in it because mm -hmm. they want to understand how they relate to their family how right. their how their friends relate to each other all these different things and I think honestly, what I've, I've known the Enneagram for a long time, and this intuitive response comes for anyone who's known the Enneagram for a while, I think, mm. to the stances, because they have the different levels of energy so clearly. The withdrawn stance has the least amount of energy, the aggressive stance has the most amount of energy. Mm -hmm. And so you notice this trend um, of how quickly people are moving into the world and engaging with it. And you can sense, like, it, you don't have to be an introvert to be in the withdrawn stance, because like, my girlfriend is in the withdrawn stance, and yet she's an extrovert who engages with the world in a way that seems very like vivacious and lively, mm -hmm. but she's actually not doing a lot of what she really wants and what she really thinks and what her plans are right. and what she feels she should do. It's just kind of a lot of little doing and mm -hmm. merging with the world around her. And in the same sense, you can sense from the dependent stance this sense of urgency to respond. There's something I have to do. There's something mm -hmm. I have to do. And there's this nervousness about it because that's where they're receiving their orientation to time and receiving their orders in a sense. And with the aggressive stance, there's a level of confidence that you can sense in their energy. This, this drive to achieve their own goals because they're primarily focused on the head and the body. What do I want? What do I think? What are my plans? And where am I going? How do I do it? 
Yeah, so it's a really good place to start, you know, when you are thinking about other people's types. Because I hear all the time, I might be a nine, but I also might be a two. Well, if you look at the stances, they are wildly different. Exactly, yeah. And, and we'll get both, into that more in depth. Yeah, later. no, we will, definitely. Um, but this is just a good place to start and say, well, you know, are you kind of moving in the past? Are you relating to the past? Or are you kind of moving in obligation to the present? I think that's a really key factor in helping people who are mistyping. Like, I, right. I mistyped as an aggressive type because I see a lot of, I mean, all the neuroses are in us to some degree, and I see plenty of three, seven, and eight in me. Mm -hmm. But I thought I was a seven when I first learned the Enneagram because I have this quick moving nature and all these different things. But at the end of the day, when I was learning about what's actually going on internally, what is the neurotic cycle that's ruling my life, that's actually running me over and taking right. power over me, um, it was a dependent power. It was mm. a dependent structure. Because at the end of the day, I wasn't allowing myself to think for myself. I wasn't considering what are my plans, what are my agendas. Mm -hmm. I was responding with a duty response. And maybe you were running yourself ragged, but why? Exactly. And that's the big question. There's a why. There's always, always, always a why. And so I'm going to tease a little bit for next episode because if you would notice within these stances, there was always one of the three in each stance that was dominant and repressed. In the same center. In the same center. So for, for the heart types, that's the three, dominant in heart but also repressed. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes them aggressive because they're throwing the heart away. Mm -hmm. For the six, they're dominant in the head but also repressed in the head. That's what makes them dependent because they've thrown away the mind. Right. And for the nine, they're dominant in the body, but also repressed in the body. So they're concerned with all these little doings, but not actually doing, mm -hmm. you know, in a real cosmic sense. They're not living. They're not present. So if you notice, as we continue to talk about the Enneagram, every single number is connected. And next episode, we will talk about what connects these three. So next episode, we're going to get into this theory of object relations, which you may have heard oh, of I'm before. Oh, I'm so excited. It's such good content. <laughs> um, but we taught stances today because stances are really important for mm. understanding these wounds that form the lies that then form the neuroses. See what yeah. I'm saying? So tune in next time if you're really interested in understanding what's deeper than these stances, what is causing these stances. Mm -hmm. It's really, really interesting content, and I'm really excited. So thanks for tuning in. This has been super duper fun. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this stances information. I think personally it was the most groundbreaking mm. information when I was first learning the Enneagram that helped me understand the differences between the types, the different energy levels of the types, and the different agendas, I guess, and where they're going. Mm -hmm. So if you want to reach out between now and next time, follow us on Instagram at NotMyTypeEnneagram and email us at NotMyTypeEnneagram at gmail.com. And we'll catch you later. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. So next time, when you want to. <laughs> when you want to. <laughs> it's like the, that video of the little boy. He's like, have you ever, did, do you ever, do you ever want him to do so bad you could do anything? <laughs>